Let's face it, AI has gotten a pretty bad rap in the media and pop culture. Just think of Terminator, Blade Runner, or Ex Machina. But I think it's time that we give AI a fair shake. Welcome to Practical AI, the capacity for good, where we speak with some of the brightest minds in the industry about the exciting intersection of AI automation, customer support, and customer experience, and how we can use the latest and greatest technology to help teams do their best work. Welcome to Practical AI, the capacity for good. I'm James Deal. Have you ever thought, how can I do this better? Well, today we're going to talk about that. Joining me today is Aitiken Tank, founder and CEO of JotForm, an online form builder. Aitiken is a renowned industry leader on topics of entrepreneurship, technology, bootstrapping, and productivity. He describes himself as a developer by trade and a storyteller with over two decades of experience leading a global workforce. Atikin, welcome to the podcast. Great to be on your show, James. So I'd love to just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, what got you to doing what you are doing today, and what your kind of what your journeys looked like. Yeah, sure. So I was working as a developer in New York for a media company. And one of my tasks was to create forms. Like I was creating this contact payment form, surveys, questionnaires. I wanted to like really work on more exciting stuff. So I looked for a product to automate forms, but I couldn't find one. So I decided, okay, I'm going to build it. And that was 17 years ago. And the rest is history. We were always a bootstrap company, like growing slowly. I mean, in the first days, I was actually doing all the support. For the first few years, I was actually providing the customer support all by myself. You know, that was actually a great learning experience for me. And I learned a lot by that. And But today we have a team of 200 serving 20 million users. So it got much bigger. But I learned a lot in those days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the company has grown and Jetform became you know, much more successful. But the importance of support has always been, it's something that we really care about. And that's actually why one of the reasons why we actually have a like support tools team we created so that we can build our own tools ourselves and really build the tools that we need in terms of like, you know, from the beginning, when we hire a support person, like onboarding, training, you know, evaluation, you know, they're creating all those tools, but also we are kind of building our own support tools so that it's integrated with JotForm better so that we can serve our customers. You know, having a separate support tools team in the company actually allowed us to also do some AI as well. We can talk about those things. Yeah, excellent. Well, so you've dedicated 17 years of your life to JotForm. And now when you think about your life today, what motivates you to wake up every morning and get up and push forward? What's your inspiration for that? Yeah, it's been 17 years. So it's been a long time. For me personally, I'm a product guy. I love building and growing our product. And it's been like that from the day one. And it's still like that for me because it's it's just there's just opportunities are incredible. You know, it's just you would think that after 17 years that we would run out of ideas, but we actually get more ideas because uh, more people use JustForm. And as a result, like they will request more features, but it's not just that as the technology changes, more opportunities show up. So I really love working on our product, but it's not just like engineering. It's 
also the growth or marketing or like really building things that people need. So it's still exciting for me. You know, that's why I'm still excited about our company after so many years. So product is what gets you going and, and keeps you going. And so when you think about that product, maybe you could just tell our audience a little bit here about what does Jotform do? How do they help businesses and their users with? Uh, Jotform is a forms product. So people, basically, you can create online forms for whatever you need, but it doesn't end with the form. Forms are just one step in the journey. It's about automating their work. So their business processes. So for example, the form is a registration or a request form, and then data is received from the form. But after that, there are many steps. You know, there is an automated email. There is a reporting. There is is requested for something. It needs to be done. It needs to be maybe approved. It needs to be stored, reported. So there is just so many things involved. Basically, what we are doing is automating their work. We are helping people automate their work. Because we see our job that way, that uh, gives us so much opportunities to improve our product, come up with new ideas, and really provide all these solutions, automation solutions to our users. So your goal really is, that's the focus, is automation, right? Is that what you would say, how to automate your work or a, a user's work? And so take me through the steps that you went through to decide what part of business operations you wanted to focus on, and both for the users of your product, but also then internally, I think you guys, I'm assuming that this desire to automate has flowed internally as well. Yeah. In the first days of Jotform, like several years into Jotform start, I was kind of, I had like so much busy work, like from morning to night, I was answering emails. I was doing customer support. I was like doing accounting, legal, HR, like office supplies, like everything. I was so busy doing everything. And right at this time, Google actually came up with a competing product. Google Forms came out and I was like, I wasn't able to work on my product as much as I wanted. And here I had to compete with Google. And like, this was like a kind of like a turning moment for me. Right at this time, I thought I looked at what we are doing for our customers. Like we are automating their busy work, helping them automate their business, their workflows. I asked myself, like, why don't we do the same for ourselves? Like, why don't we apply our own medicine to ourselves? That's when I started thinking about like automation, like how we can apply automation to ourselves. Like I started first with my emails because I was spending all my day with emails. This system, I only spend like one to two hours a day. So that saved me a lot of time. Like we automated many things like our development, product development, or how we did like support, how we did, you know, many other things in our company. And that actually helped us become really much more successful because we were able to spend more of our time in the important stuff, you know, like the creative stuff, like strategic stuff. So it's just, and it's also made it more fun because it's when you're always doing busy work, it's no fun. And, but this wasn't easy. Like, you know, automating things are not very easy. Uh, you have to take the time to automate things. And I developed this framework that I called automation flywheel during this time. I want to share it with the world. That's why I wrote the book, the automate your busy work. And I'm really excited about it. It's coming out on May 16th. Oh, wow. Okay. So just uh, a couple of days here. Well, excited to be talking to you just prior to the release of the book and definitely want to talk a little bit about that. So you also wrote an article called How Digital Processes Automation Can Help Your Business, How Digital Process Automation Can Help Your Business. 
And you stated that businesses that automate part of their workflows reap significant benefits, including better customer experience. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? You talked about how you helped used it within your business to help people enjoy their work more and to do more of the strategy and product development. But how did that translate then into a better customer experience for your customers? So in the automation flywheel, I have three steps. I can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. The first step is divide and conquer. And on the divide and conquer step, it's about finding how you spend your time and how you are really, you could do something like a time audit and find out how your time is spent. And you can, you know, find out about your workflows and you can draw like workflow diagrams to better understand how you are spending your time. On the second step, you decide how you are going to automate this busy work. You basically, you do design and implement. You deploy automations for these solutions, for these problems. And on the third step, you're building systems and refining and iterating on these systems. So this is the flywork. This is not like a straight line. And this is a process of continuous improvement. So when you apply this, of course, it results in better productivity and more time to improve your customer experience. But you're asking about the product, right? How we are within the product, how we are improving the customer experience within our product using automation. Is that right? Yes. I'd love to understand that. And then also, how do businesses that implement automation, how does that affect their customer experience? And so maybe as an example, how has that affected your customer experience as you've implemented automation? Exactly. As I mentioned in the first days, I was spent all my day with the busy work and I wasn't putting enough time in like really improving our product, really listening to customers because, you know, you could do the support, like you could constantly ask for questions, but you could also take the time to listen to them, like do user research, really interview customers, understand their needs. If you are able to automate things, the time you spare from those tasks can help you really focus on more important stuff. And that's exactly what happened with me. I think that's why the automation is really important because it gives us so much opportunity to do things that really matter as opposed to do the busy work. And let me give you an example from, this is not the really customer experience in the product, but more from HR. For example, in the past, we would onboard new employees. We would do everything manually. And in the first days, like it was all me. I would just like, you know, send them this document and, you know, sign it, fax it back to me you know, order the hardware, do everything myself in the first days. And later on, like as we had like HR people, we were still doing manually. But once we automated that, the process actually became like this, you know, we stopped missing important things. You know, we were actually doing things right. If someone is on vacation on HR, like we were in forgetting something, like when someone joins the company on their first day, like we are not missing their hardware or like their accounts or anything like that. So it's also helping with that. We are able to spend more of our time on the important things, like really, you know, talking to that person as opposed to like, you know, spending our time with bureaucracy. I think similar things with the customer's experience. For example, with our support, we are applying AI and automation to our support team. Basically, you know, when a support question arrives, we are able to, you know, dispatch that to the correct person by looking at the incoming question so that it's time is not wasted. We are like monitoring what's going on. And if we see an increase in the level of uh, queries about the specific 
problem that we can actually automatically send a message to the people who should be like looking at that problem quickly. So it's it's also important for monitoring the systems or the bugs in the system. So what kind of automation do you use in your internal support? Do you use AI or you, have you gotten into using AI to intelligently answer questions without using people? Or are you using it to intelligently route to the right person internally? How Have you gotten involved in that at all yet? So we are doing pretty much all of that. And we have been building our own tools from the beginning. We never use external tools. We have always, like, because we are kind of product company and we have the internal engineering resources, it was kind of easier for us to build our own tools. So we built our own support system, like bug tracking system, and we built everything. And the good part about this is that even the reporting system is internally built. They're all integrated. And this actually allows us to kind of, when we need something, like we can actually build it. And we have this support tools team that can actually go and implement the tools. So we do all those. We do intelligently raw things. We also look at AI. And AI usually works out on things that are like, that we receive a lot. Like, for example, spam prevention or like phishing prevention kind of things that AI really works there because we have so much internal data about what kind of like people, how do they use JotForm to send spam, things like that. Or like we receive many support requests. So we are able to classify those incoming questions in a better way to route them to the correct person. And when we need to like review, evaluate support team members, the data coming from different places, basically automatically coming together in a single place. And then our training people can actually review those and send people feedback and help them become better. Perfect. Began implementing that kind of automation. What were some of the challenges you faced with regards? It sounds like you did a lot of it yourself. You guys rely on your own internal resources to build things out. But what types of problems did you come up against or challenges did you face as you began to try to automate more all the way through to the, you know, now doing AI, which I think we'd say is kind of the ultimate automation if you can pull that off, right? Where you don't have to touch anything. But what were some key things you struggled with? I think it's about prioritization. If it's important for you to, you know, have a successful, you know, really do a good job at support and customer success, you know, putting the resources there is important. And once you do that, the challenges are less because you're not just spending thread and water, but you're also creating the tools and systems to be able to serve your customers better. And I think the word systems is really important here. Like you want to build systems as opposed to like individual things separately. You know, we are building systems, cars and like continuous improvement approach. So you don't just uh, build a system at once. Like it's very difficult to do that, but you start slowly things manually in the beginning, but you want to add like a single automation maybe or a single tool. And then you continue to do things manually. But as, as the time goes on, you keep adding additional automations and you're kind of building your systems but once you are building your systems you also need to be aware of what's going on so you start at monitoring you have you start looking at the metrics what's going on like how things are going you keep you know improving and iterating on your systems i'm always about like you know not just like 
going and doing everything at once, but more like just continuously improve what we have. And that results in much better success because you can do things better when you actually, you know, start using them and seeing how people respond and then improving it as you go on. You know, I think when we're talking about automation and improving systems, you mentioned something that you can put the system in place, but if you're not looking at KPIs, if you're not tracking the, the success of that system, it may not be accomplishing the goal that you set out for. So I think it's really important, as you indicated, to make sure that you're tracking the success and you have certain key performance indicators that you're looking at along the route. So in your book, Automate Your Busy Work, you talk about, and, and is this the book that's launching on May 16th? So uh, congratulations again on that. But you talk about an automation-first mindset. Can you describe what an automation-first mindset is? I think we're kind of hearing a little bit about it already, but I'd love for you to just kind of like take that question there. When you describe that, what does that mean to you? So one of the things in the automation-first mindset is the importance of priorities, like making sure that you are really spending your time on things that matter. It's about asking two questions. What should I spend my time on and what shouldn't I spend my time on? And the second question is more important because when you look at how you are spending your time and how, for example, when you do like a time audit and find out like how you, you know, your time is spent, like when I say time audit, you know, you could use like, you know, iPhone alarm, you know, set yourself every hour, alarm and then make a note on a spreadsheet about how you spend your time. If you do this for a week, you have a log of all the things that you are doing during the week. And then you can add them up to find out like how you really spend your time on. And then like you can categorize those things like, you know, should I be spending my time on these kind of things or should I not time on these things? And the things that you should be spending your time on are like, the first priority for automation, because, you know, once you actually kind of delegate them to the machine, to automation, you're going to be able to spend more of your time on the things that you care about. I think that's one of the principles in the automation first mindset. Another one is like, I really believe in the importance of laziness, impatience. There's a big quote that says like, I would give the, you know, hard job to a lazy person because the lazy person would find an easy way to accomplish that. You know, if you keep doing the same things again and again, and if you don't get impatient with them, I think it's just like, you know, we have a limited time and business also same way. Like, you know, we can put so much of our time and energy on important things. We kind of need those laziness and impatience to take that like, it's easier to, you know, keep doing the same things. You know, the technology is here. It can help us. We can use the technology to kind of save the time so we can make a difference. It's also another one in the automation. First mindset is the really taking time, saving time to make time. It's hard to, you know, automate things because we are used to doing things manually. It's just easier to just stay as it is. But when we take the time to really do automation, you know, we see that it's worth it. But until we do that, it doesn't feel that way. It's just people are afraid of the technology. You know, even I can be afraid of technology. And I have a technology company, but it requires like putting the time. Okay, here's my time. I'm going to spend one hour here, time box it maybe. I'm going to spend a day automating this and try to do as much as I can. When you do that, you get that uh, time in, you know, many times because of the time saved. 
And it's also about like researching. Like if you take the time to research, for example, if you go to a website, a website like g2.com and look at all the products there, that you're going to find many, you know, potential solutions for your problems. And the good thing is uh, like there are just so many products that solve so many problems. And they're not just solving the problems that you currently have. Once you start using them, you see that, you know, they are actually solving other problems you might have. You know, this is the age of like no code. So there's just also a no code product because it has, you know, all these features and customizable and you can actually build your own solutions. So for example, you can create your own form with your own fields, add some conditional logic to, you know, if someone answers this question this way, ask this question or send them this information. You can automate emails, you can automate document generation, you can automate creation of the reports or sending data to other services. So, and many tools actually have this. So we are in the middle of these three revolutions. The first one is software is eating the world. This was Mark Anderson said this more than a decade ago. Basically everything is turning into software, like cars are turning into software. Vacuum cleaners are turning to software. In the past, you would go to a travel agent. You will say, I want to go to a warm place. Now you have to do your own research, which is not that great. But also you have so much flexibility. You have the choice to do, you know, so much by yourself. The second one is the, the no-code SaaS cloud revolution, which is like there is just as a business, when you want to do things, you have so many options. In the past, like... Only like the big companies had these options like SAP. But today, like even the small companies have the freedom to do whatever they want to do because they have so many options and uh, so many products. Like if you go to gtu.com, you will find like these thousands of products to do whatever you want to do. And, you know, they are also many of them are free. So you can just go and try them out and test them out. See if you like them, if it works for you. So it's just you need to do some research. And the third revolution is the AI revolution. And this is much bigger because it's just, it's multiplying these two revolutions, the effects of these two revolutions, because all these companies, the software that eat in the world and the products that have like products for the businesses, SaaS products, no-code products. Now with the power of AI, they're going to be so much more flexible, capable and smart. They're going to be much more smart because it's just, you know, instead of being like a simple logic, they can involve much more, they can be much more flexible. So this is a great age for people and for companies. There's also more competition, but there's also more companies and more people have access to internet. These are great times. It's good to be, you know, doing what we are doing. Yeah, it's an exciting time for sure. And as we think about that, so those three revolutions that you talked about, I think were very insightful. I think some businesses and individuals could really find that overwhelming as well. When you think about everything software and, and I don't really understand software for my business or, okay, great, they've made it easier, but it's still overwhelming with the options. And then you throw AI into it. Now you've got this term that even scares some people. It excites a lot of people, but it, it does scare some people. So when you, if you were to kind of companies think about what's a strategy or where should I start in thinking about what's going on in the world of business right now and what's going on with regards to automation, software, and AI, where do I start? How do I buy off something that's that I can handle? This is exactly what I am actually 
teaching in the automation flywheel in the book. So the book has a lot of examples and like case studies, but the real meat is the automation flywheel framework. And I feel like in like 10 years, all the examples are going to be kind of useless because just the technologies and the products are so much changing. But the, the automation flywheel will only become more, much more powerful. It's helping people how to apply technology automation to their businesses. And the first step is kind of the design and concrete step. So you kind of need to map out how your business works. So you can create like workflow diagrams and like you could use pen and paper to draw what you are doing, or you could just use one of the online tools. But once you do that, on the second step, on the design, and the first step is the divide and conquer, and the second step is the design and implement step. And on the design and implement step, you're basically looking at all these areas where you can have apply automation, and then you start researching the available products. And when you look at all these available products on sites like g2.com, you don't need to like completely change everything in your business. Like you can just start small. You can just change a single thing, apply one of the automations. And on the third step, building your systems and you're iterating and refining on these systems. So you just do this continuously as opposed to like trying to automate everything at once. I think that's really important. If you try to do everything at once, that's really hard, impossible. But if you have this continuous, you know, integration, continuous improvement approach, it's much easier to apply automation to your business. I mean, you don't actually, many times you don't actually need AI. For example, let me give you an example from my emails, how I automated my the processing of my emails. And I was looking for a really good product because the biggest problem for me was like, I received these so many emails, like hundreds of emails. And the problem is that like, I have like so many emails, they're all in my inbox. And I have to constantly like clean up my inbox, try to find the important emails, try make sure that I don't miss anything. Like if I receive like 300 emails a day, then, you know, I have to look at all of them to make sure that I don't miss an important email. And I look for all these products, like different products. I think I tried like 10 different products and none of them actually worked for me. And I was using Gmail and I thought to myself, I don't actually need a product. Gmail actually has these two features, uh, labels and filters. So I could actually build what I need using these. So what I did was I created three labels, level one, level two, and level three. And I created filters so that if level one is about all the like most important emails. So if our VP of HR sends me an email that goes to my level one, my publisher for the book is Wiley. If someone from Wiley emails me, that's also going to like, I just create all these filters and they, I have so many filters, but it's okay. I just add them like slowly. Like I have been adding them over the years. So it's not like I don't like go and spend so much time on it. And once I add the filter, it's there. Level two is for people who I communicate with. And if they send me a direct email, I should be responding to them. And level three is all the other email that I care about. And any email that doesn't go to one of these labels, it's going to go to like inbox. And I never look at my inbox directly. What I do is in my browser, I have three bookmarks, uh, level one, level two, and level three. And let's say between meetings, I have like 10 minutes. I'm just going to click on my bookmark level one. Let's say I have like three emails. I'm going to process them, answer them, 
And I know that there's no like really important email that I need to be really cared for because, you know, I'm going to look at my level two, but it has a lower priority. You know, if something was urgent, you know, someone, that's also another thing. Like if urgent stuff, I ask people, okay, write me on Discord or write me on, you know, text me about it. And this really worked for me. It saved me so much time because I don't have to worry about like, getting lost in the sea of emails. I just see the most important emails first. And this automation doesn't involve any AI. It doesn't involve, it involves some basic labels and, you know, filters, basic elements of, and every no-code products today has these features. So this gives us so much flexibility when we are building things for our businesses. That's why I'm, you know, I'm really recommending starting somewhere, like, you know, just start with something small and then build slowly. I didn't go and create like hundreds of filters on my first day. I started with most important email. Of course, I started with my wife. Yes, there you go. So bite off what you can look at a small process that you can automate and just look at one at a time. And and I think and even within that process, what I hear you say is, is look at how you can you implemented that email process, but you only implemented a handful of filters to begin with, and you continually add those filters. And so, and once again, that's the same kind of thing we talked about earlier. Once you have that system in place, what are the KPIs? How are you tweaking it? How are you improving it? How are you reviewing it? Those two things kind of go hand in hand with just because you put a process in place doesn't mean it has to be perfect from day one. You have the ability to, to continue to iterate. And don't worry if that's what you're doing, right? That's what you're saying to people is don't worry. That's an okay approach and actually probably a good approach to take is to iterate. That's the best approach. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation today. I have one more question before we we wrap up. And this is kind of a a softball question, or at least I, I say it, although some people have been. I'd love to hear from you around life experience. So we talk about on this show, we talk about the capacity for good. And one of the good things in life is memories. When you create experiences, you create memories. And memories are what, you know, positive memories are what people keep people coming back to you as a, as a business, for instance, if you're creating those positive memories and experiences with your customers or internally with your people. So I'd love to know what type of life experience would you like to create right now for yourself, for your family that would be meaningful? If you think about it, what I'd love to think about is when we have customers it's important to create an experience for them that creates memories that are positive. But you can translate that into your personal life too. You know, you, when you have experiences with your family, whatever that might be, you have the ability to create memories and memories are what people have. You don't have things, you know, things don't last, but memories do. And and so that's where that's coming from is the idea of of a custom great experiences beget memories and memories are what people can hang on to. Exactly. For me, I think, you know, I love the vacations because, you know, as a family, you are together, go to a place, you create memories, and I have three kids. And it's just those pictures are usually like, I feel like, hey, I need to be in the moment. I shouldn't be taking pictures. But after a while, like when I look at those pictures, that's so great because it's just a reminder about what happened. I think it's it's important to, you know, Take those experiences, you know, record those experiences for the future so that you can remember those times, especially with the kids, like they get old very quickly and you want to really restore that. Like I'm always like, I should have taken more videos of my kids, like 
it's so nice to watch them when they were, you know, small. Yeah, no, that's great. It's kind of like I said, it's supposed to be a softball, but sometimes, you know, it gets people having to start to think about that. And I just love the idea that in you shared, like, it's important when you're constantly going to create that time and space for excellent and memorable experiences, whether you're doing that internally for your employees, for your customers, or for your family and loved ones, it's super important. So again, thanks for taking some time to join me here on the show today. Congratulations on your book. It's out May 16th. So check it out on Amazon. And Deacon Tank, thanks again. And I look forward to chatting again next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Practical AI, the capacity for good, is brought to you by Capacity, an automated help desk, knowledge base, and customer experience platform. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you would like to improve your customer experience and internal operations, head over to capacity.com and get started for free. On behalf of the whole team, thanks for listening.